Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 260, with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 260. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live video show this week in hospitality marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review, and there's two of them this week, is a little bit lending towards, of course, what our technique will be for the week, which we'll get to, of course. And I would like to bring one that I have used and have continued to use for a number of years now as an um, for my business. Uh, it uh, allows me to coordinate and uh, basically transparently show what we're doing and keep record of what we're doing and how we're getting it done. And that is teamwork.com. Now, I went through a massive vetting process to determine what I wanted to use to have as a project management platform. Having gone way back into the day with Microsoft's project management uh, software and being dumbfounded by all the things that it was supposed to do and not really know how to do project management and not what to do with it and how it would work and what's a Gantt chart and all this other stuff. I had to get re-familiar with what a project management platform should do. And there has been a host and a variety of platforms out there that have come to market, especially for the entrepreneurs and for small businesses and for people that are... um, ad hoc users where you're, you're hiring a variety of people like we do for different projects and so forth. And then most importantly, from our client's perspective, looking at and being able to evaluate what's being done for them, what's the estimated time and consumption and work that's being done on certain projects and tasks. And then, of course, that cost factor based on whether how you finance or monetize your, your, your projects and so forth as to what it's really taking to get those things accomplished and done. Um, there's an amount of uh, interfaces with this that are very enjoyable in the sense that you can just have lists or you know bullet points or whatever have you. You can have Gantt charts with it, um, but you also can have tiles and project listings based on today, tomorrow, what you're keeping track of or what have you. But the real key element of teamwork.com is it's adaptive. It's also very affordable. Uh, it's about $50 a month. And with it, it allows you to add in who you're dealing with with business, their context, their, you know, their relationship with the project itself. You allow them to be attached to projects or tasks and so forth. You can categorize your task into task lists. You can create milestones. You can create uh, risk factors where if this isn't done, what's the repercussions and what's the, high, the probability of that happening and what's the ramifications of it by scale. So you can make highlights to, to say, hey, if this fails, this is the, ram, the, the rollout for this. This is our backup plan for this or whatever have you. And I know it may be all over the board if you're not familiar with project management tools, but it has all of these tools. It has all this functionality into it. And it allows you to coordinate, organize, and track all the moving pieces to what you're doing, which will be important to our technique discussion here shortly. Um, a lot of people say, I don't need a project management platform or within the hotel business itself or the hotel itself. It's like, well, look, I have multiple departments. I have different categories of people that are doing different things. Uh, I don't know if I really need a platform that they all have to touch and get engaged with and get assigned from and keep up to date with. Uh, you know, maybe you're just doing chats and, 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 and Slack or Microsoft Teams or things like this. And there are, again, these are all viable solutions to this process. I just have chosen teamwork for what it is that I need. It also allows me, again, as a certain transparency with my clients that they have and their team has the ability to go in and literally see 
what's being done, what's the status of it being done, what's been done towards it, make comments, add suggestions, um, see what the dialogue is between our team members and their team members so that we have an open dialogue. So it's not this perpetual email string of email strings. And of course, we all have had the complaint that the subject that created an email has long since been lost based on the the reviews and the replies and over and overs of all the people that have been CC'd and BCC'd and replied to that it was convenient for them just to reply back to an old email that has nothing to do with the dialogue. So this platform supersedes that and brings all that conversation in and keeps it to the task or to the project or to the program that's going on so that no dialogue is unrelated to what it's connected to, which has been one of the strongest features of it in addition to the transparency and organization capabilities of this platform. But from a process of going forward to where we are right now, we're rolling into August and of 2020, (laughs) I don't have to tell you what 2020 has been. and because of that, we have to reevaluate how we're looking at what we're doing. Maybe before you had team members, maybe before you had several people uh, that you were working with, and now you're finding yourself having to be the responsible person or party for a lot of variations that you weren't from, let's say, last year even. And like I said, we'll get to that in our technique discussion. So the looking at project management platforms like Teamwork.com uh, might be a new perspective for you. It might be a way of you organizing not just what you're doing, but what you might be having third parties do or ad hoc teams or corporate re- representation, You know, asking them to do specific things in support of you, uh, people that are doing adaptive things for you. It might be an interesting platform. And the other tool that I want to refer to quickly before we get to the techniques is one that I have referred to before for the very reason of what we're going to talk about here shortly, and that is Giru.com. Giru is a funnel modeling platform that's very affordable. What is funnel modeling? Well, it literally allows you to create scenarios based on your marketing, your campaigns, your strategies, and what have you, that you mathematically look at traffic, values, costs, conversions, retargetings, what you're doing to communicate all these logic flows. If that's a new term, take the time to look it up. Look at what that means. That means conditional statements. We'll take an easy example with emails. You can create a uh, Giru workflow that says, I send out an email, it's a newsletter. Okay, did they open it or didn't they open? There's the why and the N, okay? If they didn't open it, how many days do you wait before you send a second email and do you change the subject matter? Content may be the same, subject matter may change. If it was a yes open, then they has its own logic flow. Did they open any of the links within that newsletter? Yes or no? If it's a no, do you bring them back to seeing the, the uh, email again, or do you send a different email to them? If it's a yes, what yes was it? What did they open at that point? Was it your AARP offer or was it your family offer? If so, what did you do about that? Did you send something different or, or, or unique to that interest? On and on and on. Anyway, from that, you can look at numbers. As in, email gets sent out, 20% opening rate. Okay. Of the 20%, did they open it? Again, you're following the same logic string but it's helping you determine where you're generating your revenue from. Of course, the no's mean, okay, 80% of the people didn't. So resend it again. And then, then how many percentage of those people did it open after that? Is it the same, another 20% or was it 15 or 10%, whatever. But you can change these models up numbers wise to say, wow, if I get a 10% reopening for my second send and of that 10%, 5% clicked on something and of that 5%, 1% converted at the cost of what I was offering it, here's my revenue stream. And that allows you to, without spending a dollar, determine what you need in opening rates and sends. And so from there, you can then send it, 
compared to what you modeled it for as to where you lost the numbers or gained the numbers that you didn't anticipate and reevaluate the value <clears throat> of sending out those emails as to the opening rates and click-through rates. So it's a great tool to model things like that, funnel model things like that. And that is Giru, G-E-R-U.com. And those are our two tools of the week. Now for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique of the week, of course, is related to our tools. And that is, today it's turning into August. And um, we are, as an industry, uh, famous for having a budget season. So many industries have no budget season, but we have found it important enough to have a budget season. Now, having been in every chair around the table for hotels, whether it be GM, whether it be corporate, whether it be sales, whether it be marketing, operations, uh, director of ops, food and beverage director, whatever it is, we have a season. And it's a progressive season. August is usually about, let's dust off what we thought we thought we were planning from last year. Uh, how effective has it been up to this point this year? Uh, what is it that we may, may need to reevaluate for next year? What are the impacts for next year uh, in the sense of refurbs or capital expense or FF&E product and what have you? What's And for sales teams, they have to start dusting off. What is our recurring business cycle? Who's coming back and when? What have we lost? What is it that we're trying to gain? Who are we trying to steal business from? Is there new competitor sets? What are the SWOT analysis? All of this should sound very familiar for everybody that sits around the exact table when it comes to this time of year. This is the aggregation of data time. This is the beginning of our, our budget season. And so my technique is how to approach a budget season like no other. Never have we, in my, re my history of many years, 25 plus in the hotel industry, have I now had a budget season to approach like we're doing now. Um, we don't have accurate numbers as to the impact of this year compared to last year because all those numbers are as we know completely skewed to the events that have happened in our industry globally as well so we don't have benchmarks to compare against we don't have margins to consider improving we don't have return business in the capacity of what we lost versus our competitors where we all lost business so we have to really literally for the first time build what we are hoping next year will be like based on conditions that we've never had to incorporate into our budgets before. And this is going to require a lot of strategy. Here's the downfall to that strategy. There's fewer of us doing this than there was even last year. Also, the data that we're going to be using going forward is not data that we can use historically next year. So we don't have the the benefit of uh, short-circuiting, how I should say. The, oh, let's just add 4% here, 5% there, 6% there, let's cut that part out, let's make sure we add that part in. That can't happen for 2021 because we have no reference as to its usabilities for 2021 in comparison to 2020. What we do have to do is take all the things that we anticipated last year as a snapshot of what the world should have been had this not happened. Take a very realistic look at the numbers we have this year for those who are still surviving in our current um, uh, economies right now and see where the bottom basement is on those. And then for 2021, start creating conditional statements as to what we would have to budget towards based on certain factors happening or not happening. And these factors have nothing to do with our sales skill. That has nothing to do with our, our marketing skill. It has everything to do with society, governments, medical, and trends. 
So we have to start planning on if then this, conditional statements. Now, back in the old golden days, we used to basically refer to the fact that we would be building three budgets through this process. The one that we would really, really like, which is usually fat and heavy with things we want to spend money on. Uh, the second is the one that we would hope they never would get, or the one that we hope that they would not settle for, which was huge cuts in costs, not getting the other uh, certain improvements or renovations and so forth, going as is, so forth and so on, which was the low end of the budget process. That was usually what corporate leaned into most, like, no, we don't want to give you that much money. No, we don't want to do this. No, you have to sit on the same furniture for another year, whatever it may be. And then somewhere between those two is the one that's the happy medium one, which is you get some of the stuff that you wanted. They got some of the stuff they wanted. Neither of you are totally happy, but both of you are okay with it. And that's usually how budget process works. Well, this year... Going into next year, we don't have that luxury. A lot of it really literally may be how well can we survive? What is actually our monetary capability of staying in business? We are unfortunately witnessing an unprecedented loss, an obituary list as it were, of companies, hotels, whole sections of ownership that are um, shuttered, closed. Now that changes our competitive set for those who are still surviving. It changes our competitive set for those that are going to be acquired because of that, for those that have ample funding to take on these hotels and run them better than they may have been run or refurbish them into something else that they weren't before because they had the funding to do so and changes your competitive set a lot. And in some ways, we won't even know what these things are because those hotels may not emerge to what they're going to become until well into next year or well into the same time next year or maybe even perhaps past this time next year we won't even see some of these things actually coming in until the end of next year but oh we are we're looking at making a 2021 budget so unlike times past with budgets where you tended to make a completely annual one and then hopefully take it off the shelf frequently enough that you were comparing what you thought you were going to be doing to the realities of what you're currently doing uh, you know from this podcast and from the live shows many times, I've told you that budgeting is a living process. And right now, budgeting and finances and P&Ls and operationals and marketing strategies is a daily process. There is no guideline for what we're doing right now. It literally is by day what that normal is for that day. That's what you're doing that day. And you're con constantly creating conditional comparisons between what's going on, what you pl what thought was going on, and what you hope goes on, and have plans for if it goes this way, we have some idea of what we're gonna do. If it goes that way, we have some idea what it's gonna do. And here it went this way, it was pretty close to what we had as an idea going to do. So it's a constant variation. You're flying the plane in no autopilot mode. You're literally flying between the clouds, up and down in the atmosphere as the storms are raging around us. There is no autopilot to this process. There is no market plan that's on a shelf that we already have a plan six weeks, 12 weeks, 18 weeks, 24 weeks out. It isn't. We have ideas, but we don't have a plan. We have process, but we don't necessarily know that that's going to be the process we create to reality. So going back to the tools we talked about, teamwork.com, guru.com, these are the means and methodologies of creating conditional budgeting with the idea that there may be fewer of us going through this process is more important now more so than ever that what you're doing to create these conditional answers to your budgeting in the future tense 
gets recorded in a way that if it's not you sitting in a chair right now, that somebody looking at what you proposed understands it in a format that isn't crib notes and sidebar side, or and scribble notes and wacky stick it notes on a, on a whiteboard. You need structure and organization because even if you stay in your chair and slowly in time, maybe you get more resources, you need a point of truth to bring them to that says, this is my master plan. This is what I'm planning on doing. This is what I had anticipated doing. These are all my variables. This is what I thought we we're going to be doing by this time. This is why I thought we we're going to be doing it at that time. This is the timeline I gave myself to do it at that point. That's the resources we needed, the values we needed, the costs that we needed as to what we were planning on doing. Now, whether it comes to fruition, like I said, is a variable. But this method of organization, this point of truth organizational structure, like what teamwork can give you or other project management platforms are very critical to future success. You can't remember everything about all the things you've created as variables. You need to put it down in a format that is consistent and understood by people beyond yourself. Now, of course, if you still have team members that you're working with going through this process, an organized point of truth in which everybody can interact with is even more critical because then there is no confusion as, did you get the email? Did you follow the 15th level of the string of the email? No, we changed that plan last week. No, you weren't on that Zoom call with us. That goes away when you have a structured central core point of truth project management platform like Teamwork, okay? Giru allows you to create the variable choices as to, with this being this way and that being this way, what do we anticipate this happening as? And you can create scenarios and make comparative scenarios so that when it does jag to the left when you thought it was going to take a right, you can say, oh, let's throw, drop in this scenario with these changed numbers compared to what we thought it was to know what we need to change to now be more competitive or correct with where it's gone. And for, funnel forecasting is critical to that. Knowing that you have a base template as to what you're looking to do, some variations of it goes one way or another based on certain criteria points. And again, I, you could, uh, I, I've been told I should teach project management in a, in a class that people can download and who knows, maybe that might happen. But if you don't know about project management, it's critical to this. If you don't know about funnel analytics and forecasting, it's critical. You need to be able to create some methodology like a navigator looking forward to saying, I want to get there. Based on the tides, the currents, the winds, the seas, the storms, whatever, I need to constantly readjust what I'm doing to still end up where I want to be. And that's what funnel analytics does. That's what project management does. And that's why it's so critical that these kinds of things get incorporated into your development, into your budget season now. Because after August's accumulation of data comes September's propositions and, and conjectures and forecastings to October's decisions and finalizations. That's our season, remember? Now, it may not run that way because we'll be constantly in flux, but that historically is the time zone of what we do budgets for. And that's historically the progression of budgets. How well you go through that process is how well organized you are and what tools you have to make that a successful decision. So that is our technique of the week of how to approach a budget season like no other. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. Okay, so news and show review. <laughs> awesome show as usual. We did a little twist this week where we have always relied upon Robert Cole from Rock Cheetah to give us a well-curated list. And he, he did not disappoint this, show, this week either. But he sometimes comes right about the time we're starting the show, which is great for the most recent greatest information, but also a little hard for us to prep and go through all the content in a way that makes it 
gives it gives us his fair due. So I asked because we have such a great combination of co-hosts these days and been persistently engaged with us. If they would bring to the table kind of a show and tell, what's your favorite talk with that you wanted to talk about this week that you thought would be relevant for our discussion this week of what hotels and hospitality professionals should be looking at. With us was Mr. Edward St. Ange with Flip2, Mr. Dean Schmidt with MetaSearch. Um, and was it Basecamp MetaSearch as well? He has two platforms, one that he trains with and one that he does services with. Uh, Mr. Jason Fareed from Hotel Recovery 2020. Adele Gutman from uh, the Library Collection, but she's opening her Aspire uh, re uh, Review um, Counseling Services, which she, again, more to talk about with Adele at any time. Tim Peter with Tim Peter and Associates. Tristan Hayward uh, and um, from 3 and 6 uh, Agency across the pond over in England. Uh, Stuart Butler with the um, Fuel Travel. Valen Perini with NOR1 and Lily Mockham with TCRM Services and Thanks Up Enterprises. So between all of us, we got together and we started just hitting some pretty good right out of the gate kind of stuff. Um, Adele brought to the table a discussion about the HSMAI is talking about what uh, what's on the minds of, of hospitality professionals. Where, where, is, is, where is the industry going? What is it looking at doing? And she brought it to the attention mainly for the interest of the fact that if HR departments are asking these questions at this late stage of the game, it is going to be so harmful for them who they represent to get out of the mud because so much has changed. And if they are just coming into, oh, we should be changing these things, they are so far behind those that have realized that months ago, have already started creating changes months ago, and already adapting what they're doing by bringing in the proper people and the proper positions at the proper time. If, if so many of these HR people are looking at evaluating what's to be done that's a little bit like um looking at the racetrack of what you're going to do when you run it when already the race is running you're kind of already lost the game because by the time you join um everybody that started the race well ahead of you is probably already hit the finish line so that was that conversation um there was some great um uh, statements made by people tim always has great you know high altitude uh perspectives and he he brought, made a very in interesting statement uh, from bezos they says, um, basically says that your margin is my opportunity. Uh, there's always someone coming for you. And we brought that up in conversation primarily to know that in our culture of business, hotels that are waning, hotels that are lost, hotels that are just trying to navigate their way or figure out a way to survive are going to go over and get dominated by those who don't ask those questions. They already have answers or at least have adaptively gone through and had variables of answers so that they're never caught off guard to know what they should do next. Kind of a little bit of earlier discussion of Technique of the Week and our tools, of course. Um, another great statement was made by Stuart Butler from Fuel Travel, which is, and this was a gripe that I started this with, our premise to uh, the show, actually, I subtitled it, Enough is Enough of the Basics. Um, my contention is I was very frustrated and still am frustrated by the gibberish white noise of people basically magpieing or, uh, or echoing everybody else. You know, oh, you should be doing PPC. And if you're not doing social, you're doing social. They're not elevating their dialogue to going beyond the basic diatribe of, yes, you should be. And you should have been doing this five months ago when all of this happened. And you should have already been adaptive as to what you're doing by now. But there are live broadcasts of people that are just harping on reminding people, of how bad is your company? What's wrong with you? And what should you think should be happening next? And so much rhetoric of the same stuff nobody's elevating that dialogue of advanced tactics 
beyond the basic diatribe of, well, you should have done this by now. You should have already combined your sales and marketing team. If you haven't done that by now, you are probably not going to come out of this very well, if at all. That's how cold I am about that thought process. But Stuart made an excellent statement. He says, the noise to signal ratio is, in his mind, the worst that it's been in a long time in our industry. And it truly is. There's some people who are acting like, oh, I don't have the answer to this. And all they're doing is saying the same basic BS that they hear from somebody else. They're not talking about advanced means and solutions and processes. And that's kind of been a frustration point of mine for a while. It's like, my gosh, we got to bring this up to the level that needs to be to create solutions, not whining and bemoaning what's the problem. Past that, we got to fix the problems. We got to work past this process. Yes, it is terrible. Yes, we're being told to shut down. Yes, business and travel and everything else. It's the reality. Thank you, Captain Obvious. What are we doing about it? What can we do about it? What should we be doing about it? What's being done about it? Advanced conversation. Very powerful about stuff like that. Um, we talked a little bit about the Airbnb effort, about the uh, the fact, that, and this was a closed article that I made sure that people understood that you have to actually have a solution to get to, but it, it had some great uh, points with it about how it is basically building its business without leaning into Google to do so. Building a very strong direct business model, communicating directly with its guests via its hosts and how it's building that. And it's a lesson to be learned for us as hoteliers as well. Um, there's an article that we'll get to, which is my feature article this week I want to touch on. This was brought to the table by Val and Perini. Um, but also we had a pretty lively discussion about how will high tech do as a virtual event this year. For all of you in the industry, you know high tech is kind of like the, the, the main tech, it is the main tech uh, conference for our industry. It has been for, for decades. Um, what's gonna happen now with it being virtual? How is that going to work where uh, you can't walk the floor and see stuff you normally wouldn't have seen because you had to walk by to see the stuff you did? Um, one of the things was mentioned by Jason was he feels that the education series will still be strong because people will be able to still get great education aspects from that, that aspect of it. But from the exposure of products and so forth, it doesn't lend to how high tech was built where uh, as was pointed out, there's a seniority system as to where you, you, when you can place based on how often you represent yourself in high tech, where you can pick your booth. Well, that creates a very kind of eclectic mix of one booth of product can be next to another booth that isn't related to each other. But because they're all up and down the rows like that, you have to walk at the entire floor, which is huge, uh, to see everything or to see the booths that you want to see. You pass by the booths that you didn't even know existed, which gave you a chance to exposure and see things. Compared to other conferences, it was pointed out in a discussion that, you know, they kind of group the same stuff together. So, you know, uh, SaaS information is going to be in one room, marketing is going to be in another room, uh, uh, room technology is going to be in another room. So you're all kind of gathered together so you can see everything that you are interested in in one place. Is that what's going to happen with them? They just don't know. And, you know, we have several vendors like, you know, Stuart was on in and so too with Valen as to, you know, are they going to spend that kind of money? And it's no cheap money that they're asking. It was kind of a mind numb as to if this is an uncertain thing, why are you asking for so much money from the vendors, $1,800 and up? To have a virtual booth, what are you getting for that? How is it being promoted by high tech that you're going to get the foot traffic, so to speak, in front of your product to validate that kind of money? You know, back in the day with the booth, it was already bad enough. You're paying, you know, for carpet and internet and having a TV or a stand or you know an extra curtain or whatever. But this is just virtual, and that's some seriously heavy-duty pricing that's going on. So we had a pretty good discussion about that as well. So the article that I want to feature in on is really one that's been fun that was out of the the, the atlantic.com 
and it was talking about the Scourge Hygiene Theater. And the premise of the article, and it was kind of interesting because as Stuart pointed out, when I first started reading it, I was reading it to tear it apart. Like, no, I don't agree with this and let me just read enough to justify my position. But eventually I got past that and actually was buying into the dialogue about it. Um, Ultimately, what we're looking at is that the progression of the conversation talks about the fact that as we learn more and more about COVID-19 and its progression and capabilities of spreading and so forth, we're learning more and more that this hyper hygiene cleaning sanitation programs that we're throwing out there aren't really doing much in the sense of the physicality of actually improving the lack of transmission. It's been progressively showing that the real transmission of this is airborne, in proximity, without proper protection, inhaling it that anything that lands on surfaces, even though there is some aspect of it staying there, isn't in sufficient density. And as soon as it lands, it begins to die. For us to think that's not impossible, but as it keeps saying, highly, highly improbable that you would actually contract COVID-19 or variations of it that way. So all of the extra heightened sanitation not going into a room the day after and killing that inventory sale because we can't sell the room because it's within 24 hours having been pre-used all of that how much is that really hurting us by doing what really is not as helpful as it should be now of course the first reaction is uh perception just like as we were bringing up the tsa 15 years ago somebody tried to blow up a plane with uh sneakers we're still taking our shoes off to go through. Nothing's happened since then, but is that because we're doing that or is that because that's no longer being tried? Either way, it's turned into a standard for us. Same too with the ounces of fluids and so forth. We create these normalities for ourselves and undoubtedly some level of normalcy of heightened cleaning is going on. But from a business perspective, the 20% increase in costs associated with the extra product usages by both the team members and the actual products themselves and the time consumption of uh, unavailable inventory or the stagnant you know st- separation of inventory and certainly by the lack of common areas usages and so forth without proper distancing and what have you and food and beverage operations and the list goes on and on and on is it really to the benefit of all this hyper sanitation that we're doing or is it just out of the perception that the public is expecting that as a means of compensating for their insecurity. And on top of that, I brought up the conversation point of, I hope that in time we get past this one-upsmanship. Oh, I have a UV robot like the hospitals that comes in the room and zaps that stuff. And you know, next person pops up and says, well, I got that. And I got a, I got a, a COVID bomb uh, uh, sanitizer that blows up in the room and unsanitizes all the surface on top of all that UV stuff. And then you have somebody behind them going, well, I got that and... and the idea of it is, is we're trying to basically in front of each other in line, in front of the guest that's currently interested in traveling, that you were doing all this. The interesting twist of that is the current traveler by demographics is the least concerned risk-taking traveler right now. They're the ones that are pretty much either thinking it's a hoax or thinking they're immune or thinking it's not a big deal. So all this hyper stuff we're doing isn't really drawing in all of the other us's that are sitting back going, it's not safe enough yet. I'm not going to do that yet. Nope, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Not going to attend that. Not going to go there for that. I'm staying home from this. 
And of course, you know, we're looking at it going, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I, I would not want to go to a hotel right now that didn't have both the team compensating for any sanitation that I would be interested in, the screens, the wipings, the sanitations, and so forth. But more importantly, that they're enforcing it with their guests as well. Yet, when you think about it, the things that they're doing to make me feel good about that literally are probably some of the least impactful things that will help me feel, actually physically make me be safer. It just makes me feel safer. <laughs> so it was an intriguing article. Of course, the link to that and all the other links that I discussed on the show, including teamworkingguru.com, are in our show notes. Remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Acast. The list goes on to about 38 different platforms. Um, we're also translated multiple linguals, 10 languages, uh, both for the live show and for the podcast. Uh, we're even on Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast. It'll play on any of your platforms there. But no matter which one you may use, if you like the show, please, please, please rate us and leave a comment that helps others find our content as well. Hopefully, you enjoy the content that's being presented. Also, if this is your first time hearing this, you, of course, can subscribe to whatever platform you found us on uh, and keep track of us that way. We always do our episodes every week, so you'll always be refreshed with the latest episode. And for an archive of all of our previous podcasts, you can go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash podcast, which is with an S. And don't forget our live video talk show that we do each week that you can join another 25,000 plus people playing out of 32 countries. Uh, that is our current weekly audience that we have from that every Friday at 1130 Eastern US time called This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. And for that, you can also go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live. There you can see all uh, episodes from 260 backwards for we're coming up on our seventh year anniversary here real soon next month or yeah august we're coming up on our anniversary so again thank you for the privilege of your time and we look forward to talking to you next week you have been listening to this week in hospitality marketing the podcast show 260 brought to you by hospitality digital marketing in support of the hsmai the hospitality sales and marketing association international all rights reserved copyright 2020